Hey everybody, what's going on? As you come in tonight, let me know where you are watching from. Um, but before we get started, for um, those who have been kind of following this ministry, I want to thank you all so much for just following the ministry. Honestly, I have heard so many amazing um, reviews from my book, Christian Sex Ed. It has been, um, their testimonies have been amazing. So I'm so glad that this book has uh, Christian Sex Ed by Dane Frager. You can find it anywhere online at the link in my bio as well. Um, it gives you everything you need to know about sexual purity. So it's a fantastic book and I'm so glad. Uh, here we go. I'm about to bring them on. And I'm so glad that this has blessed so many people. Um, if you have not got a copy yet, make sure you do. Uh, the reviews online have been phenomenal. So um, check it out. Let's bring on Mr. Flowers. Let's see. All right. Wait, it's upside down. It shouldn't be upside down. There we go. What's up, bro? What's going on, sir? <laughs> How are you doing, man? I'm doing great. What about yourself, man? Man, I'm good, man. It's uh, it's so good to have you on here tonight, bro. Yeah, man. I told you, man. Kingdom Connect, bro. Kingdom Connect, man. Yeah, Glad man. Here, man. Um, yeah, bro. Like I, like I said, I love your ministry, bro. Um, and real quick, for those out there, um, you know, who maybe have not uh, encountered your story, tell us a little bit real fast just about how Redefine TV started. Tell us a little bit about you before we actually dive into all the good stuff. For sure. Um, my name is Jerry Flowers. Uh, my wife and I take residence in Houston, Texas. H-Town? Uh, H-Town all day. I did this before in the video and someone was like, oh my God, I'm unfollowing you. That's the devil sign. <laughs> Ooh, okay. So yeah, you get all type of stuff. Um, so we do webisodes. Uh, we're pastors here at uh, Thomas Celebration Church. And how we got started, man, we saw this couple actually arguing. We saw a couple like fighting in public and we were just like ranking on them, man. We were just making fun of them. And she was like, uh, no, I said, man, we should probably like start off doing webisodes and just like give relational advice or something. And she was like, yeah. And it'd be some cheesy, like redefine TV. And I said, I know some extra church. And she was like, yeah, like redefine relationships. Right. She was like, yeah, that's so wet. Oh, <laughs> man. We just was like, it's actually kind of dope. And that's really how it kind of formed, man. Uh, we were just playing around and, um, you know, what, five years later, we've been on tours and it's just crazy, man. It's crazy. Wow. Yeah. You know, um, it's, it's funny too, because I've actually been following your ministry for the last couple of years or so. Um, <laughs> you know, great, great content. So if you have not yet, uh, make sure you check out Redefine TV at, at Jerry Flowers Jr. Follow him after this broadcast or during it and make sure you subscribe. <clears throat> to all of their YouTube, to their YouTube channel. Cause they have, they answer so many questions about dating, sex, purity, all the above stuff that you guys would like. I'm telling you, he's a phenomenal preacher. So I'm just glad to have my bro on here with me tonight. Thank you again for joining me tonight, man. And of course, man, we brothers, you already know what it is, man. Absolutely. Absolutely, man. Um, so kind of, so tonight, you know, it's really my first night of doing purity after dark. So we are okay. going to jump into this thing uh, pretty good. So tonight, you guys, you know, we're going we're gonna to go through a few different topics. Then after we go through a few, through a few questions, we'll open it up for some Q&A. Um, really just to, you know, let's get the juices flowing. But we're going to start out heavy and hard. Uh, okay. But the very first question I kind of want to ask you tonight is this. So first, real quick, um, 
sex is a big part of marriage. It's really a big part of life in general. Um, yeah. I like to say it like this. In marriage, sex is a big thing and it's a small thing. It's big because if you don't have it or um, you guys just aren't, you know, things just aren't going well in the bedroom with you guys, it can lead to a very, uh, it can lead to a lot of problems, a lot of issues down the line. Yeah. But it's also a small thing because sometimes people think that when you get married, it means that you have sex 24 seven. Right. Um, they, they think, yeah, you know, it's going to be one of the, it's, it's hilarious. You know, as a young man, I was like, oh yeah, seven days a week, three yeah. times a day. And you know, reality hits you, you know, you realize, Hey, your wife's going to have a period. Um, right. You realize have kids. Lord have mercy. And them kids may not go to bed some nights till 1130. <laughs> and by the time you put them to sleep, you ready to go to sleep. Right. Um, you work, you have ministry, you have so many things. So, um, so nonetheless, that's my thought about sex and marriage a little bit, but I want to ask you a question. Mm -hmm. um, there's been a lot of concern about sexual compatibility. You know, should you try it before you buy it, right? Um, right. Should you have sex with them before you put a ring on? So how can a couple address sexual compatibility before marriage? What are your thoughts I think, um I think the first thing, man, is to really, what a lot of people don't understand is there has to be like this detox phase, man. Like this phase where if you go into this thing saying, oh, I want him to hit it like that, or oh, I want her to do it like this, you're already kind of opening yourself up for um, disappointment because you're not really allowing yourself to discover the person to really see if God is going to allow you to be purified in your single season so that you don't have all of the porn that you watched before, all the partners that you had before mm. that are conflicting with the particular outlook that you have on sex. Bro, I am like still sweating, bro. I, from running, look at that. Yeah, it's that Texas <laughs> humidity, man. I know, man. I'm gonna take my. <laughs> I told take you. My... Go ahead. I'm SoCal. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm gonna take my hoodie off in a second. Yeah, man. But um, I think really it's find the place to where um, I need to be detoxed from everything I had before them so i'm not coming in here comparing you know i'm not coming in here mm. saying i want it like this i want it like that but really allowing yourself to be purged because sex was supposed to be uh, a discovery not an exhibit and i think sometimes we come into this thing with that outlook of like man i can't wait to do this and god's like no i need to be purified so that's that's kind of like my outlook on it man i like that because you know like you said uh, i'm gonna take my hoodie you know, off real quick keep going go for it bro yeah go ahead um, like Pastor Flower said, you know, with sex, when you look at it in God's original design with Adam and Eve, they didn't have anybody to compare. Adam right. wasn't sitting there hooking up with so-and-so. Eve wasn't hooking up with so-and-so. So they got to have sex together and they got to know and discover each other's body together. I mean, honestly, I think that, I think about the first moment they actually had sex. I bet it was probably maybe a little awkward, but I bet it was beautiful because they got to discover um, this gift of God. They got to unlock something that felt so good. They got to, you know, get, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? They got to, uh, how, how can you say it? They got to work that thing together, you yeah, know, they, and so, yeah. Now I was saying they discovered, you they know discovered, what I'm saying? Exactly. So the, the, um, I kind of think we touched on this before. The, the original desire of God is for both virgins to come together. Now we're talking about God's original desire. Okay? Right. Um, the reason he wants for there to be both virgins coming together is because you don't know what you're doing. She don't know what she's doing. And you're discovering what they like. 
and she's discovering what you like and so there's this discovery there's this discovery in the process of it and i think when um and like you said one of the tactics i believe of the enemy is when you're unmarried have as much sex as you can right but then when you are married don't have any sex <laughs> just totally switches it and God's desires, I want it to be a discovery so that you can learn each other. And like you said, I think with Adam and Eve, they discovered. I'm like, oh, you like that? Oh, you like that, Eve? You like that? She's there like, yeah, we I go. Like <laughs> <laughs> and yeah. honestly, and when you get married, too, you're going to discover so much more about sex. And you can have those conversations like, hey, did you like this? Um, did you like that? What don't you like? But I also right. think that even before you get married, there still needs to be some premarital um, sex talk, not in a way right. that uh tempts you now i'm not saying like oh you want me to hit it like that no no we don't you don't need to talk about that when you're you know dating or courting but there needs to be some type of uh sex expectations talk in you could say in a holy way in other words you need to because you need to find out some things because you could be marrying somebody who has a very sexually uh, traumatic past right maybe right. they suffered some form of abuse and they can't be touched this way um they can't be touched this way um you know so there's some things that you have to discover and there are some good questions that you have to ask before you even get married. So I right. think that's why um, sometimes I notice what happens to couples is they don't address it at all. Sex yeah. is just like something you just don't talk about until finally it's time to have it. And I think yeah. that you need to talk about it, but maybe put some accountability barriers, maybe have a counselor jump in the conversation with you guys. That way it doesn't uh, go too far, but you definitely need to have some, uh, some type of talks because check this out too. There's some people who, like we said, uh, maybe you've already had sex several times yeah. and now maybe you know what you like and maybe you're in the process of getting detoxed so now maybe you start to wonder well what would sex be with what would sex be like with them you yeah. know so there are some things that you need to definitely address what are your thoughts what are some good questions that people could ask um before getting married without getting too hot and heavy Man, if you just want to be honest, I just kind of go off what uh, my wife and I did, man. We wanted to know how many people you've been with. Okay, that's and good. I, when yeah. should you ask that question? I think it's premarital. Okay, so like Pre engagement? And, see, but here's the thing. Like, I don't know. Like, you don't have to be engaged to start premarital. Right. You know, I, I, we have a little different method down here. Like, if you believe that you found somebody or somebody found you and this might be God's will for your life, why not start premarital counseling? Because if if you're not if you're not together for the purpose of possibly being a marriage candidate, why are we together? You know. So um, and the reason we do that is a lot of couples discover in premarital counseling this is not the one. And but if you go to that thing engaged, you can see all the red flags in the world, but you don't want to end it because you already sent out all the invitations. So we kind of do it mm. different here at our local church. It's like yo, y'all talking, y'all think it's serious. Don't pop no question yet. Y'all just start some premarital counseling. Just start it. The worst thing you could do is discover that this is not God's will for your life. Um, but once once my wife and I um, got the confirmation and got engaged, like for real, that's when we start having that talk. We call them ugly nights. Ugly um, nights, okay. Yeah, was there ever molestation? Um, how many people have you been with? Um, because all of that type of stuff is going to affect each other, you know? Um, so I wouldn't really start going there until you kind of have the confirmation that we're possibly well not possibly but once you got the confirmation that this is who god wants for me right yeah because you don't need to be talking about sex if you don't even know if this is going to be your spouse all exactly. you're going to do is just ignite temptation doing that 
Exactly. Yeah. You know, I think that's that's so important what you said, because um, I noticed I've seen the process completely backwards. You wait to find, you know, you wait until shoot the wedding's three weeks around the corner. And now you, all of a sudden all these deep rooted issues are starting to come out. Yeah. It's like, no, I probably needed to know some of that ahead of time that right. way I could have, you know, decided whether or not this person was going to be for me or not. Um, yeah. Can I add nonetheless, something so. Yeah, go ahead. Add, add on. I, I think one of the um, hardships about the courting phase is there's this fakeness, you know, like everybody says they want something real until they meet somebody who requires them to be real um, until you until you meet somebody that wants you to be real honest, real open, real genuine. And I really believe that ugly nights helps you. It takes off the mask. It takes off the betrayal of the betrayal of you trying to uh, portray yourself to be this thing. Let's deal with the real issues. How I like to say it is the courtship phase is when I present my case, you present your case. We bring it for the judge, which is God. Now, what is your verdict? You see mm. what I'm saying? Because I want to make sure that your hand is on this. I want to make sure that your hand is on this. And so with the other person, like me and my wife, we were just, we were raw, man. When we recorded, we were raw about everything that we experienced, the pain that she experienced. And um, I think that's a necessary ingredient if you want holistic, healthy relationships. Because like you said, you don't want to uh, have, the, have the wedding three days out and then you find out that, you know, hey, um, I got a child with another woman. What? Why didn't you tell oh, me? Oh, yeah. That? No, man. <laughs> yeah. yeah. You know, and um, I want to add to that, too, that that conversation is not going to be an easy one. That's probably why it's called Ugly Nights. Um, there's going to be some uncomfortable conversations you're going to have to, questions you're going to have to ask. Mm -hmm. And you're going to hear the answer. You're going to be like, whew, right. wow, so you did that or this happened to you. Right. But this is also where it takes maturity as well. you got to understand, before you, they had a past. Absolutely. Now, I'm going to speak to some of the jealous people out there. If they did it before you, it should not, uh, that's not, that should not be something that, you know, messes with you. You got to understand, man, everybody has a past to some extent. Mm -hmm. And I've seen, you know, I've seen some people who, oh, they found out, oh, I can't be with them because they did this. No, no, that's a lack of maturity. Mm -hmm. As long as God forgives. Now, if you really love them, you won't see all those past things and you'll understand, look, let's move forward together because I love you. Nonetheless, so that's going to be a challenging conversation. The first time my wife and I had that conversation, um, I can't remember when exactly it was when we were dating, but, you know, she was a virgin, you know, when we started dating, right? I was not. But she thought I was because it shows you we didn't really know each other that well. Um, yeah. We went to two completely different schools. So, um, you know, her kind of dream and idea was like she, she wanted to, you know, she was young. She was 18. She wanted to also marry a virgin as well and have the beautiful night where uh, they lose it, the virginity together. And when I had to tell her, like, hey, like, no, like, you know, I'm not a virgin. Um, yeah. You know, I, pro I live the complete opposite way that you lived. That was a hard conversation. And for yeah. her, it was not always the easiest. Mm -hmm. um, and that moment wasn't easy, at least. You know, after that, obviously, you know, she got over it. Um, and she knows part of my testimony. But it's not going to always be an easy conversation to have. But it's a necessary one. Like you said, you have to unmask. You have to be vulnerable and tell those things on the inside of you that you do not want to share. Some of those things need to be shared in that conversation. Um, Absolutely. You know, so it's good. Uh, and I kind of kind of want to transition to the next part is um, how can, okay, so we know that some people, not everybody is going into this thing as virgins, right, obviously. Um, so this leaves the question, how can you get over past sexual partners? Like, mm -hmm. what are some different techniques or different ways that 
you know, you can just move forward. Cause I know when I got into my relationship with my wife all day long, I just couldn't get the mental images out. I just was continuing to think on it, think of all my past experiences. How can yeah. somebody who's struggling with that going into a relationship, going into a marriage, how can they break free from that? Absolutely. So we're going to hit this spiritual and practical. Okay. Let's hit it. So the Bible says that uh, be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Right. And so that means to me, there is a level of transformation that will never happen without mental renewal. Okay. Right. So we have information, we have application. A lot of people have a whole lot of information, but they never put it in the application. And then they wonder why they never experienced transformation. If I have the information, but I don't put it into application, I'll never experience the transformation. Okay. So the first thing is you must like, if I could, if I can go back and have a conversation with the unmarried me and say, Hey bro, what do you need to do more now? I would say, bro, you need to fast, man. Come on, sir. You need to fast. You know why? You have to strengthen your no. You have to learn how to turn down the volume of your flesh. You have to master this bad boy so it stops telling you what to do, right? right. Um, fasting helps it to where your flesh doesn't have the final say. You don't always feed your flesh. And just being open and honest, uh, being a slave to, to pornography for all those years, man, it really trained me to view women like subjects you see right. what i'm saying and so i really couldn't get beyond the bondage and the ghost of pornography but really helped me man is started to saturate my mind with the word of god and then just practical things like working out um just to really exert your body get that energy so when you have those horny nights you don't go back to mm -hmm. the porn you don't go back to texting that ex hey what you doing or you don't respond to the next texting you back right you should have them blocked anyway but I think those are just some <laughs> those are just some triggers to help you. Um, but I think that first practical thing is make sure you have embraced a season a season of deliberately making yourself suffer. Mm. That's what fasting is: deliberately mm -hmm. training yourself. You do not control me. You don't run me. And if you're in a place right now where your flesh tells you what to do, your flesh calls the shots then it's gonna be very hard for you to de detox appropriately, okay? Um, from a practical standpoint, I would begin to really watch uh, my triggers. I had to break all my um, secular, secular music up. I can't watch shows like Power, Empire, Game of Thrones, understand other people may be able to do it, but I, I know that the enemy had a hold on me with pornography, so I can't watch stuff like that. You, right. you see what I'm saying? And so I really had to watch my gates. That's my ear gate and my eye gate. I had to watch what I put in my um, ear, what I put in my ears and then what I put before my eyes. Since those are gates, they affect my heart. Guard your heart with all mm. diligence for out of it flows the issues of life. So, uh, man, I just had to really, I had to get some new friends. Um, I had to have some people hold me accountable. And uh, through the necessary accountability i called it uh irritation like because they really irritated me but i think everybody needs a spiritual irritant yeah. um, i needed somebody to hold me accountable even when we were dating man we had a curfew grown i'm bro we like 24 years old had both had yeah. apartments grown we had a curfew man you, you have to <laughs> people called us to figure out where we were and what we were doing if i said we we're gonna watch a movie i had a dude it's okay how long the movie it starts at like bro eight <laughs> o'clock it's two hours and 42 minutes all right i'm gonna shoot you a text when it's over we had that you, you know what I'm saying? So it, it, you got to have those spiritual irritants, you know, those those just-in-case boundaries. 
right. when you have that just in case moment. I think those are some practical things, but the spiritual things you really got to fast because it gives you a, a level of strength. Um, when Jesus was approached with uh, an evil spirit, the disciples were asking him like, man, why couldn't we cast it out? And he said, these kind only come out by prayer and fasting. You understand? So yeah. that lets me know there's a level of power that you tap into when you fast that you'll never experience unless you fast. So, yes. Yeah. I love what you said, you know, both sides of it, especially spiritually. Because um, honestly, I think one of the main reasons why people never actually overcome their flesh, the reason why um, they have a hard time breaking through pornography or masturbation, or fornication, whatever the case is, it's really because they don't have that drive. Yeah. You know what I mean? They, it's, it's like kind of like sometimes you talk big game. Oh, I want to get free. God, free me. Then God's like, you want to be free? You need to crucify your flesh. Right. You want to get free? You know, and I'm going to tell you, you know where the deliverance, I think, really happens? Um, it's like you said, it's in those horny nights, right? It's in those nights where you feel like, you know what? I have to give in to this flesh. Like, it's those nights where you're like, oh, my God, I want to do it. I want to do it. But when, the, when you say no, that's where the strength and the power comes in. And then it motivates you for the next day. Yeah, It's just like working out. You look yeah. good after a week or so. You're like, you know what? Tomorrow, I'm going to eat better. Mm -hmm. You know what? I'm going to go to the gym twice tomorrow. It's the same thing when it comes to overcoming lust. When yeah. you start to see those results, when you start saying no, when you're a week without porn, now all of a sudden you're, you're feeling stronger on the inside. Um, right. And like you said, even about fasting, you know, one thing I think about, well, one thing I think happens is this. Um, well, first, you know, kind of, you know, when we look at scripture as well, First uh, Corinthians 6 talks about this. It says that the body is not meant for sexual morality. Um, it talks about how, how sexual morality is a sin against your own body. And right. then when it comes to fornication, it says that you become one with her body. So scripture shows us that there's some type of spiritual bond, connection, or union that's taking place when you're walking in fornication. So right. sometimes people think that, you know what? I'm just having some innocent sex. Um, I can just repent and I can move on from it. But according to what Paul said, there's something tying you guys together. So yeah. if it's spiritual, right, then you have to fight spiritual. Right. And that's where you said fasting comes in. Um, you know, fasting breaks the yoke of sin, according to Isaiah 58. Um, yeah. And like you said, with, these don't come out by prayer and fasting. So I think scripture really shows us that fasting gives you like an added level of authority in the spiritual realm. Mm -hmm. On those demons that keep trying to pull you back at night, fasting is the strength that's going to keep you through those horny nights. Um, yeah. And so that's why I think it's so important that we just actually get to the place where we're on our knees, where we turn over our plate. Like turning over your plate is not, it's not just, fasting is not just turning over your plate. It's a, it's a posture to God, letting him know, look, God, I'm ready for you to clean me out. All of the nasty crud that's in me, all of the lustful uh, desires, all the ungodly stuff that's in me. God, I'm ready for you to just wash me out. Right. Um, you're asking God to create in you a clean heart. So I think um, I love what you said about the practical side and the fasting side. Um, and, and one more thing I kind of want to add to the natural side of it is this. You're never going to be able to move past those lustful things as long as you kind of keep entertaining it. Um, yeah. for, I'll use myself an example. When I was younger... Uh, and I was struggling and I was like, oh, you know, I need to be free. I need to be free. But I still kept following the same women on social media. There you go. And, Talk I, about and, it. I, and I began to ask myself one day, I was like, you know what? Every single time I follow this person, I keep on lusting after them because mm -hmm. I keep seeing their pictures. It was a constant reminder. I kept thinking about that past experience and I kept wanting to entertain. I kept wanting to look more and more. So I finally yeah. had to tell myself, look, man. 
do you really want freedom, Dan? Or do you just want to sit here and be chained up? Yeah. And so one day I just I unfollowed her. And you know what's crazy? That helped eliminate that aspect of lust out of my life. Yeah. So instead of popping on Instagram every single time and boom, walking back into lust and, and feeling tempted, now all of a sudden I was getting on Instagram and I was not actually being tempted anymore. So it's like yeah. those little things that you can do here and there all go to the big picture and all yeah. help your freedom. Yeah. You know? Let me touch let me touch on uh two things with that. Sure. I think um man, I, I forgot the name of this book I read before. I read it way back in college. Uh but Christian I remember sex ed? Huh? Was it Christian sex ed? <laughs> not back in college. Um I'm sorry. I remember uh I remember the, the whole concept and the content of the book. You have eight seconds to decide what you're gonna do. When you are presented with temptation, you got eight seconds. You got eight seconds. So when that thing pops up, one, two, three, you have eight seconds to real. That's the bell. Ding, ding. That's when it starts, right? Right. And so um, what I got from that is what helps you overcome in that moment is a why and an alternative. Okay. A lot of people don't have an alternative, nor do they have a why, right? A list of do's and don'ts does not work. Mm. I've tried it, it fails. Anybody yeah. <laughs> else on here, you tried it. I ain't gonna do it again. I ain't gonna do it again. That does not work. Right. What I discovered works is when you win around that feeling, that that mm -hmm. joy that you got. Man, I didn't watch porn today. Man, Ooh. I didn't watch porn for two. That feeling of fulfillment. Of course, your, your flesh is still like, man, but you miss it. But there's some sense of victory that you have, some sense right. of joy that you have. That why, because listen, I want everybody to remember this. Temptation is only hard when you don't have a greater than. Mm. <laughs> okay, sir. Temptation is hard. only hard when you don't have a greater than. There has to be a greater than. What is greater than this, this orgasm right now? What is greater than this temptation? What is greater than this satisfaction? I got to have a greater. And if you don't have a greater, you'll give in every single time, every single time you go to it because there's nothing that you're aiming for. Like you said, you say, you know what? Do you want to be free from this, Dan? And I love that you use the word free because I think sometimes maybe I'm being too technical, but I think there's a difference between freedom and deliverance, right? Mm, okay, I think when, I, when, when, you're, when you're delivered, this means your place is relocated but your mind haven't, haven't caught up. Mm, okay. When you're free, you could be in the same place, but your mind is relocated, okay? Give you Bible. The children of Israel were delivered from Egypt, but they were not free from Egypt. Right. Still in them. Sodom and Gomorrah, Lot's daughters, they were delivered from Sodom, but they, were, they didn't have Sodom and Gomorrah out of them. And so Ooh. I think a lot of times we confuse the fact that I'm no longer in Egypt versus, but I still have an Egypt appetite. And this whole process of God trying to get them from Egypt to the wilderness, to the promised land, that wilderness phase was a detoxing from Pharaoh, detoxing from slavery. God's not, and I'm not judging you. You still like what you had in Egypt. That's normal. Mm -hmm. I wish more churches, Dan, really help people understand. It's normal that you still crave them. It's normal that you still want them. It's normal that you still have that desire. You just came out of Egypt. Now, what God was trying to do was rewire them. I'm raining down manna from heaven. You know, I'm having water come from a rock. I'm trying to show you that I'm Jehovah because you're so used to Pharaoh. And that, wow. that process of God rewiring you, if you don't allow him to do it, just like that first generation of the Israelites, they died in the wilderness, man. Yep. And you will die in the place of transition because you can't get over what you had in Egypt. Wow. Eight seconds, man. Once it hits you, I got to get out of here. Ooh, that's right? so good. Go ahead. Go ahead. No, no, no. I'm saying that's good. 
Yeah, and then and then I understand sometimes praying and reading your Bible doesn't always work. You know, yeah, uh, <laughs> how about this? Pray, read, and work out. There we go. There yeah. we go. And and you know what? Um, maybe think about those eight seconds. It makes me think about King David when he was on the roof and he saw Bathsheba bathing. Yeah. Those eight seconds could have really changed a lot of things that went wrong in his life. Yeah. Because you know what Bathsheba, when he fell into sin, fell into adultery and uh, murdered Uriah and then other people in the battle also died. It also, the prophet, when the prophet came over, Nathan, and came over and told David what he did, he said, all these things, your household will be against you. Gotta, he prophesied all these things that later come to pass. So yeah. I always kind of wondered, man, David, if you could go back to that moment on the roof, what would you have done? And I think sometimes we need to think, like you said, like alternative, but we need to think futuristic. Right. Like, what am I about to lose from this moment? Right. Am I going to lose my destiny? Mm. Come on, think about it, even with Joseph. If Joseph would have said yes to the Potiphar's wife, what would have happened? Right. All those dreams and visions, Joseph knew, it was prophesied in his dreams that he was going to be um, somebody he was overseeing, which we knew he would be a governor. But what if, in that, I wonder if Joseph in that moment, because, you know, sometimes when I read scripture dealing with sex, I like to kind of really take a big view at it. Yeah. Now, when the Potiphar's wife was tempting him, sometimes we think, oh, it was probably like, oh, just come to bed, Joseph. No, 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 no. When you want something, she was probably undressed. Mm -hmm. And the Potiphar had a high-ranking position. So his wife, she probably looked good, too. She was but bad, Joseph, bro. Oh, yeah. You know she was. Yeah. Joseph, being a man of God, I think that he knew, you know what? If I say yes to this, you know, I could probably, Joseph's probably like, you know what? I could probably get away with it. Mm -hmm. I could probably have a little fun. I, he's like, I could probably repent. That's just a natural thought that would go through my mind, at least. You know, yeah. I, I get it this one time. God, you'll forgive me afterwards. I, I, you know, you know how it is sometimes when you go into sin. Yeah. But Joseph, I think that he understood, you know what? I have a destiny on the line. And I'm going to tell you guys watching this. You have a destiny on the line. And, so, and that, it could be that one thing that ruins it all. And for David, it almost ruined it all. But in a moment when David had those eight seconds, you know what David needed to do? He needed to turn his head and go back to bed. Yeah. And somebody watching this tonight, you, tonight you're going to be faced with temptation. Uh, tonight, you're going to be faced with, you know, as soon, probably as soon as you get off this call, I would not be surprised if you get that text message. Yeah. <laughs> if all of a sudden that picture come up on the, on your page or some yeah. temptation comes in, do what David didn't do. Turn your head and go back to bed. Yeah. And had he done that, well, first, had David actually been, you know, where he was supposed yeah. to be at war, doing what he was yeah. assigned and called to do, had David been there, he wouldn't have been in that position to even fall into sin. But if you are in that position... Turn your head and go back to bed. Um, so I, I love what you said. And I, I kind of just want to lead into the next question. So, well, actually, no, we kind of already addressed that part. Um, so I, I want to kind of switch almost to the dating arena a little bit, because I know we have some people on here that are single, uh, some that are dating, and some that, you know, uh, maybe are married. Maybe this can still help them out. Uh, yeah. What are some signs that this person might be for you? Because I know sometimes we, we always point out red flags, red yeah. flags, red flags. I had a friend the other day, uh, sex can wait a while. He said, what about the green flags? Yeah. You know, well, what are the good things that you could point out in someone that you can know, look, this person is good for me? Absolutely. So um, my wife and I are very big on knowing your assignment. 
okay? Um, when I say assignment, meaning your purpose. Why did God like cosmically create you, okay? So the reason I go there first is because I don't want somebody who's just compatible with me. Because truth be told, you could be compatible with a demon. Devils know what you like to. Right. Yes, they do. Um, but I need to have somebody that's suitable, okay? Suitable with my assignment. So the first thing, first sign, period, is do you know what you're supposed to do? What are you killing right now? Like, what, what are you mastering right now? What are you plowing in right now, okay? The reason that's so important is because that's going to help you identify a distraction versus possibly a God-endorsed relationship, okay? Right. If if I don't know what I'm supposed to do and if I don't know where I'm going, I won't know who to take with me. So I have to have some sense of my identity and my purpose before I could ever identify what's the green light, period. Mm -hmm. So for me, using practical, then I'm going layer, to answer layers to the question. I knew I was going to be a pastor. So what did that do? I began to immediately look for pastor's wife. I wasn't just looking for a girl who was curving, had more curves than highway. I wasn't just looking for a girl who was fine. I said, okay, I'm going to need somebody to compliment what it is I feel God wants me to do. You see what I'm saying? Yeah, and man. so the relationship I was in before I met my wife, we were cool. Uh, we had chemistry. Uh, we like we were that couple that if something was funny, we'd be the ones still laugh while everybody else is not laughing anymore. We just got along so well. But the closer I got to Jesus, man, the more I started to really fall in love with him, the worse our relationship got. And it wasn't because she was a bad person. She was a Christian. I was a Christian. But I didn't want to just be a Christian. I wanted to be an honor roll, honor roll Christian. There's mm -hmm. a difference. Some people just want to pass. <laughs> you want a 4.0. <laughs> right. I don't want, hey, come on. as long as I don't go to hell, I'm good. As long as, as, long, <laughs> that's not, that's not what Jerry's aiming for. You know what I'm saying? I want to, I, I want to represent the kingdom well. I want to give him as much glory as I possibly can. And that's what really ended the relationship um, was just purpose. And so beyond that, I think there's some practical things that um, if they motivate you to be better, um, if they um, cause you to um, see God more, um, Another great one is if not necessarily they help you evolve, but they add acceleration to the evolution process. I don't think that somebody should just come in your life and you start evolving because of them. I think you're already yeah. evolving and they you come along yeah. and compliment that. Yeah. Um, and it's really just a compliment of what you're already doing. So if we're running, right, I shouldn't have to slow down to keep, you know, dating you. You see what I'm saying? Mm. I think we should be running like, okay, you're doing this. Okay. you. It's low key. Like, you're killing it, I'm killing it too, so we complement each other. Right. Kingdom work collides you with kingdom partners. Ladies ask us all the time, like, man, why I keep getting discovered all these trash dudes? I just all these dudes around just trash. And I'm like, maybe you're in the wasteland. <laughs> <laughs> Kings don't reside over there. Maybe you're in the mm -hmm. wasteland. Maybe you're still attracted to that. Um, and then there's another type of woman that's like, I don't see any godly man. Nobody's coming up to me. Where are they at? They're no godly men anymore. You got to understand God is, when it's for you, he's going to send it to you. It's like, I'm tired of weeding through all these counterfeits. I'm like, okay, um, there must be something on your life that the enemy sees that he's trying to get you so wounded because men has worked for extended amount of years or women has worked for an extended amount of years. So he's trying to trip you up. Um, but God does have somebody for you if marriage is a part of your flight plan. So 
pushing you to purpose, compliment um, your purpose, compliment your assignment, makes you evolve because you're already evolving. Those are just some practical signs. I like that. Um, you know, it's almost kind of like, like a, are they an asset or are they a liability? In other words, yeah. are they going to produce great things uh, with right. you or will you continually, or they continually just bring you down? Um, right. You know, are they taking more than they're putting in? So I think that, I think that's a great point because even when you look at different relationships throughout the Bible, um, with Samson and Delilah, she was clearly obviously a liability. She was obviously right. someone that was not good for him, but yet he continued to entertain. And I think that's the problem. I think a lot of times people get stuck um, with something that maybe looks good on the surface. Why, Dan? They, why is that, man? Why is that? I think because their flesh is speaking. In other words, they're walking by the flesh. Because when you walk by the spirit, you can have discernment and you can know, um, you can know if they're for you, if they're not for you. And that's why I like what you said about, you know, sometimes you can be compatible with the demon. I yeah. think about myself back in the day. Um, you know, there were some Christian women that I thought I was compatible with. But guess what was speaking? My lust was speaking. Um, it was not anything else but my lust. So yeah. if my lust is guiding my decisions, <laughs> you know what I mean? Lust is going right. to lead me to death. So what's right. guiding my decisions? Is it my spirit or is the lust within me? Right. So that's why I think it's, uh, I think it's really important. Uh, to find someone, you know, that honestly, I think a few other things, you know, spirits were not as spiritual. Um, I think you need someone that meshes well with you, mm. you know, because I think one thing I've seen in a lot of relationships is you have couples. Now, this is, this is the crazy part. Um, I love what you said. I've also seen some power couples, right, mm -hmm. where they are both super, super into ministry, both anointed, but they just continue to collide. They continue yeah. to butt heads. Yeah. Um, they compete with each other. I think you always need to have someone too that can mesh well with you. Right. Um, you know, where you where also like a gentle spirit, someone who's humble, someone who can admit when they're wrong. This is one thing I learned in my marriage years now is that, uh, you know, I love the fact that my wife is saved. Um, I love the fact that she's beautiful. Those are all things that we, I want, right? Yeah. But I also have to get to the point where I, I had to get to the point where I realized, look, Dane, you cannot always be right. You have to be able to lower yourself. You have to be able uh, to be humble. You have to be able to apologize even when you don't want to apologize. Yeah. You know, I, this is why a lot of relationships don't work because of pride. Talk about There that. is not supposed to be pride inside of love. That's yeah. the opposite. You know, and we get into relationships and we still have not learned how not to get our way. And you wonder why your relationships aren't working. A relationship is not supposed to be one sided. You're supposed to come together. You're supposed to work together, lead together. It yeah. can't always be the way you want it to be. And I think that's why it even goes back to like kind of our first question um, about discovering things about the person. You got to find out before you marry them. What, how were you raised? Yeah. How did your parents raise you? Okay, how, how, what is your idea on raising kids? Because sometimes you have two different views. One person is extremely, uh, you know, disciplinary. They like to discipline. The other person likes to take it easy. And that can cause a lot of riffraff. That can cause a lot of problems in a relationship. So you have to ask those questions while you're dating. What was, what was your home life like? Was there a lot of arguing? Was there a lot of yelling? Was it peaceful? Was it quiet? Because that could be the very, the, the very thing that their home life was like could be the way they treat you. For example, if they grew up in a household where it was okay to yell, where it was okay to disrespect, 
you have to watch out for that going into your marriage because they're just doing this very thing that they saw that they were brought up around. So that's why it's so good. I say this before you get married, you need to know them. You need to know every single, know them in every single season. You need to see their happy season. You need to see their sad season, their depressed season, their anxiety, their season of anxiety, how they are when they're stressed. You need to see them in all these different ways. So you can actually, I would write it down if I were you. If you're dating somebody, write it down. Okay, they did this when they're stressed out. This is how they handle things. Can I handle that when we get married? Yeah. Can I handle the way they do things when we get married? And I think that people never touch those tough questions. They just see honeymoon. Oh, we're about to have sex and it's about to be good. I'm telling you, there's so much more to marriage than sex. That if you are just getting married to have sex, then you're possibly going to marry the wrong person. Yeah. Because you're allowing your flesh to lead you. So ask those difficult questions. Figure out those things. Take time to figure it out. Um, One more thing before I pass it to you. I remember when my wife and I were dating, um, you know, probably within the first few months, I was already ready for marriage because I was a newly, a new Christian. And this was my first time going a month or two without having sex. So I was like, oh yeah, let's, come on, let's, let's start planning the wedding next, yeah. next summer. And then I had to slow down. I had a conversation with somebody in my family and you know, I realized, you know what, slow down a little bit, yeah. get to know each other. And I'm glad we got to know each other because had we not gotten to know each other, we would have gotten married solely off of sex and we probably would have ended because yeah. there were some things we both had to work out within ourselves to make us ready for a good marriage. So work out those things that are in yourself, those demons that you keep on burying, uh, those toxic ways that you keep on shutting down, work those things out and get delivered because you don't want to get into something that's good and, you know, mess it up because you never got delivered. Yeah. Beautiful, man. Um, I want to touch on just a few things you said that I thought was so profound. Uh, When you said like, you need to see them in every season, y'all, if I can't tell you how real that is, let me tell you something. Yes. When you interact with somebody or when you date somebody or when you um, hook up with somebody, you're not just getting that person. You're getting the way they think. Did you hear what I just said? You are getting the way they process intel and information. And I need to see the way you think under crisis. I need to see the way Ooh. you think under strain. I need to see the way you think when it gets difficult. You all, you know, want to uh, want to know why a lot of people go ghost? It's because they don't have the mental capacity to think beyond running. So they don't they don't deal yeah. with things. They don't stay with things. It's not always that there's another woman. Sometimes the reason they ran from you is because they're running from themselves. If Come you on. can keep your legs closed enough so that God can give you a full orbit of this person where you can see them in every season, okay? Because this is what you're gonna have to deal with in marriage, seasons, hard seasons, good seasons. I like to say mountains and valleys. And if you come and you're like, man, I just want somebody who's there with me if I hit rock bottom. I want somebody there who's with me, you know, through thick and thin when it gets hard. They may be be able to only handle the value. value. That's it. Mm -hmm. I want somebody to handle me if, you know, everything goes off. I want somebody there if we hit rock bottom. You may be classically conditioning yourself to only be able um, to be with a person who can handle your valley season, but not your mountain season. I want to know if I experience a mountain season, will they not be so insecure that they begin to blame and project their insecurity on me as though I'm doing something wrong? I need to know, can you handle my mountain at my valley? 
You understand what I'm saying? <laughs> and then the second thing I want to add to that, um, I don't want anybody to get discouraged who's watching this. I firmly believe you cannot detour what God has for you. You can't. Mm -hmm. Everybody has dirt. I have dirt. My wife has dirt. Dan has dirt. Everybody has dirt, right? Um, but I think whoever God has for you will have a miner's work ethic. They will have a miner's work ethic. I'm getting happy. They Come know on. beyond all this dirt, there's gold under this. There's yeah. gold under this. But look, if you only try to present the false gold, you'll never be able for them to really get the dirt. There's so many women that say, like, I hate being vulnerable. Okay, if you want a kingdom man, he's supposed to wash you, girl. Mm. <laughs> he's supposed to wash you. <laughs> Love your wife like you Christ the church, man. Present himself a church without spot, blemish, or wrinkle. This brother's responsibility, I remember just like it was yesterday, bro. My, uh, my wife made me so mad one night, man. And I was in the garage beating the brakes off this heavy bag. I'm pissed. I'm like, God, I'm trying to do this. And you saying I'm trying to, and I'm just pissed. And I'm venting to God. And he's like, um, Mr. Redefine Guy, uh, you did a webisode a few years ago, uh, Ephesians 5, man. Let, let's revisit that for a second. Like Christ of the church, uh, presenting himself a church without spot, blemish, or wrinkle. You see those spots that your wife has? You see those blemishes? You see that those wrinkles, that's your assignment. Why are you complaining to me about what you're supposed to heal? You see that spot? Wash it. You see that blemish? Wash it. You see that wrinkle? Iron it. Bro. <laughs> it, it, it took a total different turn for me to understand that as a kingdom man, I have to be, I, I have to have washing capacity. You understand right. what I'm saying? I and have when to you don't want to wash too. Woo! Bro, I'm about to tell you. That's when the humility comes in. Come on, sir. Bro. When you don't want to wash. Man. Ah. And and then and then the, the woman has to ask herself, not only is this brother washable, but am I a woman that will allow him to wash me? Mm -hmm. Will I allow him to see, hey, this is where I got a wrinkle? Hey, hey, this is where I got a spot. Because that's what kingdom men do. So I think that dynamic of understanding that washing, that cleaning, not saying that he's, you know, your washing machine and saying Jesus washes with the blood, but there is a level of pride that you got to kill, like you said, um, to help serve your wife or serve your husband, you know, if you're a lady watching this. So, yeah. And this, I like what, man, that, all that was, man, that was a sermon, a book. That was all the above <laughs> what you just said. <laughs> you know, um, because it's so true, I'm telling you, as, you know, speaking as a married person, you know, as, as we both are, some of you desire, you know, to get married and the level of humility it takes to really have a successful marriage is very high. Yeah. Like I said, there's gonna be some times where you are right. You did everything right. Um, you didn't do anything wrong and they're in the wrong and you sometimes will have to go over and still fix it. You'll have to say, you know what? I'm sorry. I love you. Let's just work this thing out. Even when you are in the right and they're in the wrong you're yeah. still going to have moments where you're going to have to say you know what think about it just like what jesus did i mean on the cross how we, how we came and sacrificed his life for us even though we were in the wrong yeah it's the same thing even yeah. when you even when they're in the wrong you're going to have to love them and that's why you know what? that's why i love the story of jose and gomer one of the most beautiful stories in the world it's unfortunate that you know you know it's a little unfortunate but nonetheless yeah. <laughs> hosea marries gomer right yeah. she was a prostitute and as if you read the story gomer leaves and goes back to commit adultery heartbreaking right after yeah. they have kids and all that and yeah. hosea 
does one of the most humble, you know, things I've ever seen in my life. He goes back because God tells him to. He goes back and he buys his wife back mm. with physical money. Like he actually had money. He went back to the house that she was sleeping and shacking up with whoever because Gomer went back to her old lifestyle, right? Yeah. And Hosea had to go purchase her back. That's the type of love and humility. I'm not saying that that's going to happen to you and you're going to have to keep them, but that's the type of level of love and humility that you're going to have to have in your heart. So if you have all this bitterness and, oh, I just can't forgive him. I can't get over this. You know, I can't forgive her. I can't get over this. If you have that in your heart, you are not ready for marriage. Yeah, tough. Because marriage, you can't be holding on to stuff for three, four, five, six years. You're going to have, some things will make you upset. And you're going to say, you know what, Father, give me the strength to not cuss. Give me the strength <laughs> to breathe. Give me the strength to, to be humble. I'm telling you, and God is faithful. You know how I know? Because there's some moments in my, in my relationship with my wife where there's moments where I'm sure, same for her as well, where I just wanted to be mad. I just wanted to be mad. I deserve to be mad. Yeah. But the Holy Spirit would not let me be mad. I'm yeah. telling you, I was mad for five, ten minutes, but God would not allow me to keep it going. I just, I just felt like this release, like, you know, like, you know what, Dane? Just, just release it. So I'm telling you, get yourself ready for it. While you're single, you can get ready by practicing humility, by yeah. killing that pride. Because it's not, like we said, marriage is not just all sex. You want your marriage to really thrive and be successful. Mm-hmm. Those are the things you really need to start taking in. Yeah, yeah. Um, I, I want, I want, you already know, but I, I want everybody watching this. I want you to understand, like, if you want a good marriage, you have to die a lot. Yes. Every every woman on here, every man on here who's saying that I desire marriage, you're saying I desire a life of much death. So let me let me let me go a little deeper. Every woman on here that is saying, you know, I I would like to be married one day. What you're saying is, God send me somebody to help. Mm. Send me somebody that I can help them meet the places that they're designed to meet. Every man on here, you're saying, God. I want to I want to be crucified for a whole family. Wow. And I want to love the way you love. I want to lead them as you lead me. That's really what you're saying. It's not just God send me a bang, send me a boo, want somebody to keep you warm, want somebody to snuggle. No, it's really saying, God help me die. Yes. Help me now. Now, if you don't want a good marriage, try to live. <laughs> try to live. But dying to you, and like you said, in the single phase, that's what you do. You die to you. Number one, like I said, fasting. Constantly dying, you fasting, serving, not getting your getting your way, strengthening your no, because in mm. marriage that's what it's like. And not yep. even mention your level of dying in marriage increases every year. Yeah. So, the level of death that I embraced in 2012 when I married my wife can't compare now that we have two children, <laughs> we have a ministry. Can't compare. There was no yeah. babies. There was nobody crying in the middle of the night to get us up. None of that. So the level of death elevates each year. And if you don't elevate as the year goes by, your marriage is going to die. It's either you die or your marriage dies. Wow. Yeah. That's good. I'm telling you, like, that's why it's so important to rid yourself of things that could be deadly for your marriage now. Yeah. Um, you know, because I'm telling you, if you want a successful marriage, one that thrives, one where the love stays, because there's mm-hmm. definitely some times where I think it's God ordained, but I've seen God ordained foundations and marriages just completely split because of these little things that become big things. 
Absolutely. You keep hover, hovering over it. Oh, you know what? I'm just, I'm not going to say sorry. We can go a couple of days without talking. Mm -mm. You got to, you got to, you know, you got to repent from those mindsets, repent from those thoughts. And you have to actually, you know, you got to be committed to really through the thick, through the thin, through the valley, through the mountain. Because I'm telling you, your marriage is going to go through some hard times. And that's why I think it's so good that you hear this while you're single now, because you got to make sure the person that you are planning to be with can go through those hard times with you. Because guess what? When you have kids and you want to try to have a, a difficult conversation, you may not always be able to address it. Yeah. You know, me and my wife, were sitting there trying to talk and I got two babies crying and we're like, oh, we need to get something out. And there's some moments, you know what I mean, that are just difficult while you're married. So right. please, please make sure that it's the right person. Um, what Let I want to you. do. Oh, go ahead. Can I ask you something? Ask you this. Yeah. So when it gets difficult for you, Dan, and you know the right thing to do, but you don't want to do it. What helps you to actually execute doing the right thing? What helps me to actually do it? Um, I would say it's it's kind of like the futuristic thought. Like for me, it's like, look, if I want to have a successful marriage, if I want us to live uh, together and be married together forever, then I realize, look, the only way I'm going to get to that is by humbling myself in this moment. As much as I want to hold fast to my ways, as much as I want to hold fast to my thoughts, to my beliefs, I have to realize I have to be able to meet her there. And that's the problem. Sometimes we just, we don't want to give up. Like, no, no, you have, there's some times where you're going to, it, it'll be far away and you'll have to make the whole entire lap to get there. Yeah. That's just the reality of <clears throat> marriage. So if you're planning to have a marriage, many of us say, you know what, we do thick or thin and I want to grow old together. You're going to have to fight a lot in those years to grow old together. Yeah, I'm not I'm not saying, you know, you're going to, you know, it's not healthy to be fighting 24 seven. I'm saying you're going to have those difficult moments and those difficult times where it's going to take more out of you than normal to fight for a successful marriage. That's yeah. why if you really look at some of these marriages where they've been married for 30, 40 years, the ones that are actually good, because me and uh, <laughs> Pastor Flowers were talking, there was you, he knew a couple who was they were married <laughs> 70 years or whatever. Yeah. And she said it was hell. Yeah. I'm talking about a marriage where it is actually fruitful. You yeah. have to do fruitful things. Yeah. Um, that's why I love. That's why I love scripture. Love is patient, right? It's going to take a level of patience that you never had. Love is kind. I'm telling you, there's going to be some moments where you just don't want to be kind, but you have to just deliberately say this. I'm, I'm going to help you guys out a little with this. This is going. This is going to help deliver somebody with this. Learn how to be gentle when you speak to them. You have to learn how to. You know, you just want to just rise up and manifest. No, no. You have to take a step back and say. They might have just made you upset. You know what? Hey, babe, I love you. You look beautiful. In the moments where it feels like hell, that's when you got to insert in and say something sweet. And yeah. that's, I think, you know, a good way to help you out. Yeah. The, re the reason I asked you that, man, um, is because you brought home a solid point, man, that I just want to touch on for like 30 seconds. Go ahead. When you're upset, Dan, you're like, okay, I think the futuristic thought. I want to have a good marriage. I want to glorify God. This is why it's so dangerous for us to be unequally yoked, y'all. Mm -hmm. Dan surrenders to the spirit of God. When I feel convicted, I pray. Who convicts the carnal man? Mm -hmm. Who convicts the carnal woman? When you are with a godless person, there is no futuristic thought. When you are with a godless person, there is no love is patient. A kind word turns away wrath. They're not considering First Corinthians, uh, love is patient, love is kind, love keeps. No, you're there. You are getting their belief and the way they process information 
on love. So I think the beautiful thing about what you said, and I just want to kind of tune that in, is I don't want nobody to think that this is going to work for somebody who is not a believer. Right. Okay, because um, if you want to have that kingdom love, forgiveness, and loving them the way that God wants you to love, it's going to require for you to be surrendered to the Lord. So I just know for me, God convicts me when I'm wrong, more than a counselor, more than my wife, more than just my thoughts. The spirit's like, bro, you you, you foul, bro. Go tell you mm -hmm. what, you won't Continue. let me sleep. Won't let me sleep. You know, and it's mm. worse if you're a pastor, because then I hate it. Like, if something happens, we're really good. But if something happens and I try to get my iPad, I'm like, bro, you know God ain't going to give you nothing. You know he ain't going to give you nothing. I'm like, Tanisha. You right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's all I wanted to say. You know, we've had such a great conversation so far. We've covered so many great things. So I thank you all for jumping in. And right now, what we're going to do is we're going to answer a few different questions. Yeah. All right, here we go. Is Christian couples <laughs> making out okay? I mean, come on now. So, well, <laughs> let's um, go. Let's go. I love these questions. I'm, I'm gonna add layers to it. Add so, I, I think, I think first thing we take things out of context when the scriptures like you know greet each other with a holy kiss. Making out is not a holy kiss. Okay, making out is going to get him aroused. It's going to get you aroused. And you know, a lot of people don't know this. You know, there's a reason why. Uh, the pastor usually says, you may now kiss the bride. I don't know if y'all ever noticed that, you know, there's a reason you may now, even the veil. Did you know the veil came from her hymen still being intact? I actually didn't know that part, but that's really? great to know. Yeah. That's going to my next book. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. The reason she would have a veil is so that you could lift it up like anyway, but. Um, open, open the veil before you open her legs. I love to say that. <laughs> <laughs> there you go. So I think um, I think it's just going to lead to temptation. Um, you know, my wife and I, we were good up until maybe two weeks before the wedding, um, and, then, and we kissed. Uh, but we didn't like you know tongue all out into the throat. We didn't do all that. We still kind of had our, our boundaries. But during the courtship phase, I would kiss her hand, and I would you know kiss her hand or whatever. So uh, that would be my my thing. It's it's going to lead to uh, it's going to lead to enlightened sexual temptation. Yeah, you know, um, for my wife and I, and, um, you know, prior to getting married, we did fall into sexual sin. I think it took us, we fell maybe about a year and a half. We think we're dating about a year and a half before we actually had sex. And I will say that kissing played a big role in it, you know, and everybody has kind of their boundaries of what they can do and what cannot, what they cannot do. You know, yeah. for me, I probably, if my, if my wife and I were to date again, like we weren't married and we were dating each other again, all over again. I could probably do a little a little peck, you know, after class or something, you know. Um, but me personally, I probably could not do a peck in a car, especially late at night because I just know where my flesh would go. So yeah. if you start making out, I'm telling you, making out is, first of all, it's going to stir up your hormones. Mm -hmm. It's going to stir up those little lush juices in you. Uh, so I don't think that's even the right way to say it, but it's going to stir those lush <laughs> juices in you. <laughs> and yeah. eventually, I'm telling you, because think about it, when you're making out with somebody, there's no way to have your tongue in their mouth and their tongue in your mouth and you're <laughs> sucking each other's tongues and all that. I'm being a little graphic. You're doing all that. You cannot tell me that you are not going to be aroused at all. Right. Some cases, yeah. some may not be, but I bet nine, I just guess, I bet nine out of 10 people, if we're going that far, you know, it, it's, it's probably going to start to lead to more. And on top of that, um, if it's lustful, if it's causing you to lust, you should not be doing it because that's when you fall into sin. Let me read you guys a, a real quick definition on lust for my book, Christian Sex Ed, just so we can get a, a clear one real fast. 
Um, the definition of lust, broadly defined, lust is a very strong desire for someone or something generally of a sexual nature. That definition doesn't completely capture the lust that the Bible condemns. See Job 31 and 1, Proverbs 6 and 25, Matthew 5 and 28, Romans 1, 26 to 27. The yeah. sinful lust that the Bible warns us against can also be defined as the sexual coveting or objectification of someone that you are not married to. Additionally, sexual desires become sinful when they willfully manifest through the eyes, imaginations, thoughts, actions, and the heart with the intent to gain sexual gratification. Last part. In other words, the only person you can willfully think about or look at in a way that brings you sexual gratification is your spouse of the opposite sex. So yeah. when you were, that's a, it took me a long time to get that definition of lust because it's really hard to define. Now, lust is not to be confused with like your standard sexual desire. God created us with sexual desire. So you right. know what I mean? But so there's a difference between the two. But if you're doing that while you're kissing and making out, you're walking in sin. Um, so I'm not yeah. sure what your love, pe certain people's levels, you know, boundaries are. For me, I could, I could probably handle a peck. Um, I know for a fact, me, I couldn't handle, you know, making out. So let me get you another question on here, Pastor Jerry. Okay, so, um, oh, so Jess, she said yes, biological clock, right? Mm -hmm. That was the, that was the, that was the question. Okay, <clears throat> I want to say one thing is I think it's going to answer a lot of questions and touch on Jess. Um, when it comes to, hey, is this okay? Is that okay? Is it all right to do this? I think we have to really understand um, the usher mentality. If you go to church, there's this dude, right? He's an usher, our lady usher in, if you will. And what they do is they point you out like, hey, there's a seat up here. It's not necessarily, is it wrong? But will it usher you to something else? So I think for all the other questions that are coming, does this, like, does this lead me to something else? Kissing is that usher. Hey, come on and come in this bedroom. All right. Now, um, for Jess, all right, I think the whole biological clock ticking thing can cause you um, to have anxiety and it can cause you to settle. A standard is not a standard if you're not willing to suffer for it. So um, I, patience to me is the ability to survive the not yet. Okay. Note takers, write that down. What is patience? Patience is the ability to survive the not yet. Um, so I don't really think your your patience should run out. I think your focus focus should shift. Don't 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 focus on your biological clock. Focus on what you what are you doing right now? What are you doing right now? And in God's timing, if it's his will, if it's his will, God will send you a king. Um, but don't let your biological clock get in the way because what that's gonna do is make you hurry up and make your choices unwise. What you laughing at? <laughs> I'm sorry. One of the questions on here. <laughs> what? But continue first, and then I'll throw the question. No, nah, that, that was pretty much it. You good? That was, that was good, though. <laughs> All right, I'm going I'm to throw this one on here. I'm glad you asked this. This is a great question. And you're going to have to I'm, answer first. Yeah, I'm going to handle this one first. <laughs> um, is it wrong to ask to see a man's... Really? I can't believe you had this come up here, bro. You're going to throw it at me. Woo! <laughs> Uh, yes, ma'am. Um, they're, they're called private parts for a reason. Um, so that was funny. I'm gonna try to. I'm gonna try to. So I'm thinking in my mind. I'm thinking 1908 when you asked this question. Like when you typed this, you know what what was going through your mind, right? And I'm I'm, I'm being serious. I'm not throwing shades or anything. So um, I'm thinking this comes from the does the size matter? 
that's what I'm thinking. You know, I'm gonna just get that benefit of the doubt. So maybe it's, I want to see the size, you know, so I know is this man adequately prepared to please me. So let's go back to the whole sexpectation thing. Um, that's when that detox needs to happen. That's when that detox needs to happen. Um, I don't really need to know about your size. I don't really need to know about uh, any of that right now because I want to make sure that I have strengthened my ability to suffer. Okay, I want to be rewired and I want to get over this last dude's size and this other dude's size. And I don't even know if you had anything to do, so I'm not making it seem like you you had, you know, suits of uh, size, other guys, whatever. Um, but I think I wouldn't allow that to worry me. If this is somebody, and I just want to kind of be real, if this is somebody that God has for you, God knows what you like. Right. God, God, the person who made you, the pe the person who constructed you, he knows what you need. He knows what you need to be satisfied. And he knows how this man needs to be built for you to be satisfied. So at the end of the day, certain things, just trust that God's going to hook you up. He ain't going to send you somebody that startles you another night. He's not going to send you somebody that can't please you. Uh, unless we still have the ghost of our past and we haven't healed from that. So you can touch it, bro. Thank you so much for asking that question. And I think that it's, um, it's a good question to ask, um, especially cause I know it's a, you know, does size matter? I know if you're thinking about being pleased in the bedroom and, you know, I, I definitely respect the question and I think you hit it honestly. I think you hit it good. Um, yeah. I've seen somebody put if, where was it? Size of the heart matters more than anything. I think that's good. But I think that, too, if you really love them, um, then, you know, whatever the size is, I think that you guys will find a way to make it work. Whether it's, you know, maybe maybe you, maybe you're a person, I'm going to be honest, maybe you're a person you want something to be a little bit bigger than on the smaller size, mm -hmm. right? I think that the way, I think one thing that makes sex good, first of all, is the mental connection. You can have sex with someone who maybe has it, who may be packing downstairs, right? Mm -hmm. But if you're not mentally connected, if you guys just don't, aren't, can't connect mentally intimately, then yeah. the sex is going to suck. Like, I'm going to be honest with you. I've had sex before with people in my life where, um, you know, the attraction was good, but we couldn't even connect. And it really felt like I was just having sex with a body. Yeah. And sex was not just to be having sex with the body. Sex, you were supposed to connect all of you, the vulnerability, the mind, the love, it helped. And crazy part, all the chemicals that release during sex, like the way God designed it, it's so beautiful when it comes together in his will. Yeah. So I think if you check mark off all those things, you don't even have to worry about that. You know, I understand though, you know, maybe if maybe if you had or have not had sex before, I can understand why you would um, ask the question. I think even men could ask the question too for a woman, like, you know, is this, is there some women where it may hurt regardless of whatever size they are? So maybe that could be something yeah. you're curious in as well. Um, nonetheless, though, I think before getting married, you know, you, you do need to have a talk when it comes to certain things. Um, I, <laughs> I don't know if I'd ask that question, um, but I do respect, you know, the thought process behind it. So thank you for that. Um, and I, I think, too, just really understanding that, that God knows what you need. Everybody right. needs. I need y'all to understand that God knows what you need. And really, I'm going to go a little bit deeper. Wouldn't, wouldn't it suck to serve a God that can't outdo sin? Just think about it. Wouldn't it suck to serve a God that you cannot have a better fulfilling experience doing it his way than the devil's way? Just think about this right. for a second. Everything that you did 
before really, really accepting the Lord. And you telling me now, I'm going to try to do things God's way. I'm going to be with my husband, we both of the Lord. We're going to come together and it's going to suck. It's going to suck. So doing everything, doing everything the Lord's that way is going to be terrible. That would suck. What type of God is that? It's going to be right. mind blowing because you're going to have a spiritual, you're going to have what I like to call kingdom sex. And a lot of us, you never had that before. You had cheap sex. Kingdom sex is on a whole nother level. I believe there's an anointing to that thing. Like God there is, is. y'all are coming together purely before me. Yeah, I'm going to just leave it at that. Just leave it at that. You know, I, I like what you said. Um, and I'm just being honest, the very first time my wife and I ever like had sex when we were married, way different than a time when we committed fornication. Yeah. Like you could just, I felt like a, I don't know, like it felt spiritual, like a supernatural um, connection, like a supernatural, like unity where this finally felt like, man, this was the right way um, that God intended it to be. Um, but yeah. And, and even kind of with, with Adam and Eve in the garden, when you really think about it, I mean, whatever size God gave Adam, it was meant to please Eve. Yeah. You know? Yeah. And that's, you know what I mean? I think that's a good way to answer it. We're going to just get a couple more questions in, then we're going to check on out. Because I know it's almost midnight where um, Man, the flowers is at. Man, we quarantined. You good, bro. <laughs> we good? Okay. <laughs> you good. Okay, let's get another good question in here. Um, sorry, there's like 19 million. Uh, give me one second. Okay. How do you know when your man not interested? Okay, here we go. This is a good one. This is going to help some people out. How do you know when you're a man not interested anymore? Um, I, I think there are a lot of lot of layers to it. I think when everything that originally was there has ceased, like the original things that he used to say, used to do. Um, I'm going to throw a curveball to that question in a second. But when the original behavior has gone on decline, so if you morning text, uh, you're beautiful, I love you. Um, all of that starts to go away. Um, that's usually the sign. Either something's distracting him, he's going through something, kind of like uh, what Dan said. You got to see that full season. Uh, he may be in a winter season, and you're seeing another side of him, but I'm just answering it like he's not treating you the same. Um, either his heart has drifted, or his heart is distracted, or his heart was never there. Um, you could never outrun you. And eventually, if you continue to stay with a person, their real motives will make the debut, make their debut. Let me tell you something. Standards always reveal those that come with an agenda. Right. Say that again. Standards right. always reveal those that come with an agenda. That's one facet. Now, here's the curveball. Um, sometimes, he, and I'm not saying that this is you, uh, Sierra, but sometimes men are done because of your mouth. I'm about to lose my whole, if y'all liked me, you're not going to like me anymore. That's true. Uh, sometimes you have disrespected him, um, talked to him in such a way where he has emotionally shut down. And so the guy that he originally was, uh, he no longer necessarily is because he's been wounded due to how he's been treated. Now, this goes both men and women, women the same way. But I think a lot of times uh, we don't like to discuss that, that part. No, they right. haven't changed something has happened during the relationship that caused them to become a certain way. So, yeah. That's good. I like it. Yeah. Um, we're going to, we're going to cut through some questions in here. Um, okay. We'll hit this one. This is a good one. Why is masturbation a sin? 
I think it's that was easy. I'm gonna touch it quickly. You can go. It's the same thing we talked about a few minutes ago. It's an usher. Uh, all things being equal, when you masturbate, you watch pornography. You allow your mind to go somewhere to fantasize, to lust, to create. I don't see you masturbating and getting off thinking about the Bible or Jesus on the cross. I don't. I don't see that happening. So, so your mind is going into a fantasy realm. Your mind is going into a historical realm, or you watch a pornography. So that's the easiest way it leads to worse things so you can touch it if you want to yeah um in christian sex ed we actually have a chapter called dirty hands dealing just solely with masturbation and uh touching on this question and pastor flowers really hit that you know hit it perfectly um when you're masturbating you know some will say they can do it to uh, a blank mind uh but the reality is that usually there's something that turned the masturbator on mm-hmm. like there's something that triggered you to do what you're doing because think about it Masturbation is done for sexual gratification, right? Mm-hmm. If you weren't lusting, why would you want sexual gratification? If no sexual desires were moving, why would you need to masturbate? So I think that kind of dispels the belief that you're just masturbating with a blank mind. But, you know, also Matthew 5 and 28, the lust that Jesus condemns is usually active during masturbation. You know, porn, yeah. fantasizing thoughts, fantasizing on uh, past memories, all the above. Um, mm-hmm. And then even if, I know we, we touched bases on this a while back. Um, when you read Matthew 5 and 28 through Matthew 31 or so, um, it talks about lust being coupled with a hand and sin. Um, and I beg to ask the question, what does lust and what does the hand and sin all come together for quite often? Mm-hmm masturbation so um great question and real quick too i love the question because um 85 of christians i surveyed thousands of christians and 85 percent of christians have struggled with masturbation at right. some point during their walk with god yeah. and you know why masturbation is dangerous kind of to add on to that is that you're getting yourself used to something that um is going to be different when you have sex for example if a man is masturbating right he's used to his hand He's used to his pressure that he puts on his hand. So when he has sex with a woman, it's going to be a way different pressure. And to be honest, when you masturbate, it's hard to enjoy sex. Um, I'm I'm saying this is somebody who was a frequent masturbator and somebody who was frequently having sex growing up. Um, It was hard to fully enjoy it. And it was hard to fully, I'm I'm, I'm telling you the truth because some of y'all going into marriage, are, are, you know, masturbating. And I'm, I'm going to tell you why you don't want to do it. Because you're going to have a hard time releasing and getting that orgasm that God wants you to have when you have sex with your spouse. You're going to have a hard time getting that when yeah. you're so used to giving it to yourself. And it's the same yeah. thing with a woman using her fingers or a vibrator. You're used to that. Right? Yeah. You're, you're setting your, um, you know, your sexual high on that, on that pressure. So when yeah. you have it with the real thing, it's way different. So yeah, get delivered before you get married. Somebody say, get delivered before you get married. Yeah. Let me, let me uh, exactly what you're saying, just merging it. Um, what masturbation does, uh, just kind of opening up. I think, I don't know if you guys know this, but sex is really service. Yeah. So when, when, you're, when, you're, when you're married, Forget what the media, the culture, uh, all this stuff makes you think. Sex is really serving each other. It's actually a form of worship. Um, And so I'm really trying to serve my wife. 
I want her to be fulfilled. Um, she's trying to serve me. She wants me to be fulfilled. Okay. So like you said, what masturbation does is it classically conditions you how to please you. It teaches you how to please you. And so now if you get in a marriage, it's going to be difficult for you to please them because you've been training yourself just to please you. So, mm. yeah. Uh, how, long, how long have you been free from pornography before you got married uh, in a relationship? Um, for me, what was that? That was 2011. So for me, it's been almost a decade, 2011. Um, I mean, you know, I think that whole masturbation and stuff, I, I know why I, why I engaged in it. If I just be open, honest, transparent, yeah. it wasn't just because I was a freak. You know, I actually had a girl introduce me to it. <laughs> I actually had all the trouble I've ever gotten in was through somebody I call my friends. Um, yeah. <laughs> um, crazy how that I, works. For real. Um, she, she introduced me to it. Um, but I think the reason it's so hard is because it appears to be the safest sin. For real. I know you I ain't going to more under. Yep, you're right. For real. Like, if you're a yep. Christian and you masturbate, you're not going to get nobody pregnant. You're nope. not going to catch no STD. Um, so it comes off as the safest sin. If you really think about it, I'm just telling you, like, I'm getting to think about this. Go ahead, bro. You just quoted my book. Go ahead. Really? <laughs> yeah, you didn't know that. You just did. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah, it seems like this. This seems like there is no consequence mm -hmm. to the sin. You know, masturbate, you get off. No STD, no nothing, right? But the devil knows it's an it's an STD in a different form. It's a spiritual transmitted disease. Right. Okay, he knows, bro. If I got their mind corrupt, that's all I need. The enemy yeah. wants to get you right here. He wants to get you bound right here. If I can get them bound right here, they'll never be able to be fulfilled because they're in bondage right here. And I understand right. his tactic now. I understand the devil's tactic so clearly now. He knows, like, man, I can't get God to change the way that he views them. Mm -hmm. But if I can get them to change the way that he views them, oh, yeah, yeah, that's what I'm going to do. So he tries to get in your head. Man, ain't nobody doing that. Ain't nobody waiting. Ain't nobody doing that. And so he tries to get in your head where you can become his puppet. Literally, he wants to become Geppetto and you are Pinocchio. And right. when, you, when you allow him to have your mind in that way, then um, the level of freedom and the level of experiencing um, uh, joy of being free, no chains on me, you'll never know because it comes off as the safest sin. Wow. Yeah. I ain't know it was in your book, bro. We in tune. Yeah, we are, man. For real, for real. <laughs> it's funny, exactly what you said, like safe way to sin and so that whole sentence is like exactly in the book um, for those that don't know. Uh, but yeah, that's just, uh, that's hilarious. And I think, and for me, how long have I been, I've been free from pornography. Uh, the last time I watched porn was 2016. Mm -hmm. um, a little bit before I got married. Now for me, I had different, I had different seasons. I had some seasons where I'd walk in freedom. I had some seasons where I would fail. Um, but, you know, I've been porn free for over four years now yeah um so for those that are out there that you feel like it's not possible i'm telling you it is very possible in the beginning of my marriage i had some serious temptations like where i just kept thinking of those websites and i was like i want to go back to it but after a while when you condition your mind to think differently and get delivered 
it gets much easier. And that's the thing. Like you just have to, when you make it through those first three weeks or month, it's going to be so hard, but that's where you work out during your horny yeah. hour. That's what I did. I went to the gym at 1030 at night. Yeah. By the time I got home, I was wore out and I was ready to go to sleep. So when you do things like that, um, you know, you kind of trick your mind and trick your body into not walking into pornography. Yeah. The easier it gets and the less that you do it. And when you get like two, three weeks off of it, eventually it's in the back of your mind. Like it's something that never happens. Like now I have no temptation to watch mm -hmm. pornography at all. And I, you know what I mean? And I know I'm married and I can and have sex and all that. But like I said, like my wife was pregnant for, we have two kids. There's a, there's a period where, right. where you kind of aren't always having sex when the pregnancy or after they have the kid, you can't have sex for, six weeks or something bro uh, you know and mm. to be honest Man. i wasn't tempted to watch porn because <laughs> i was delivered so it takes a while to get to that point but it's possible look i'm i'm uh before when i say it let me expound on it um uh because immediately when i say it i log off but i understand now why a lot of husbands cheat when their wife are pregnant I really do. Um, you go on average maybe three to four months, maybe longer than that. For me, it was longer than that because my wife, we had a hard pregnancy towards the end. Um, yeah. The man who doesn't have self-control during those times, he goes off somewhere else. He, he, right. goes, he goes off to another woman. He goes off to a porn site um, because mm, he viewed his deliverance from sexual temptation as his wife. And you got to understand your wife is not your deliverance or your husband is not your deliverance from sexual temptation. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. If marriage cured lust, adultery wouldn't exist. Yep. There still has to be some form of self-control. There still has to be some form of um, discipline. Discipline is a diet at the next level. Yep. And so when that season hits for a husband, if you don't have some type of Holy Ghost, <laughs> if you don't have discipline or some mental strength or that greater than, that's why a lot of guys do that because during that season you no longer are getting access to it but i think a lot of deliverance through a lot of sexual temptation is if you could kind of um go back to the roots of it how it was introduced for me it was a little easier um because i was introduced to it in a way where like hey you're missing out you're missing out and the girl was trying to tell me the things that she wanted to do to me and all this stuff and she actually gave me a flick man she gave me like a porn DVD and told me what to do and all this stuff. Devil, bro. Um, mm -hmm. But she was introducing me to that. And so I, I kind of discovered for me many times, deliverance is tied to reintroduction. Um, wow. My deliverance was, uh, I was introduced to it wrong. And then I thought about, man, why am I doing this? You're doing this because of what a woman said that you should do and what she wants to do to you. You don't even know that girl. I don't even remember her name. I don't even remember her name, man. Um, you're trying to be a leader and you're trying to help these young teenagers out. This is when I was, you know, student pastor. Um, there's a level of honesty and integrity that you have to have. And that's what kind of helped me. What helped me honestly end it was not just, it was, of course, um, the Holy Spirit, but I was so busy when I was single, man. Like I was, Dan, I was so busy, man. And the nights that I was going to be alone, I would send a text message to the group group of parents and I say, Hey, can I take y'all sons to Galveston for the weekend? Oh, and I would have, you know, these are mostly, most of them were single parent homes. And if you have your youth pastor saying, Hey, can I take your 16 to 17 year old for the weekend to play basketball? Go ahead. <laughs> so my singleness, I don't know what it means to be bored and single, bro. Yeah. I don't. You gotta make I the most like, out of it. 
Yeah, I feel like when I got married is because I completed singleness. There's nothing else mm. I wanted to do. I, like I finished it. I like that. I finished it, bro. Like I enjoyed it, but that's what really helped me. I I, I just um for my singles uh, season of really just being purged and detox, man. I had a group of uh, it was about fifteen of us, like thirteen to like twenty year old guys. We would do Bible studies, play games, and if I didn't want to be alone on a Friday night. I would just hit them up, man, and we'd be playing live all night. Um, I wouldn't make them read the Bible every night, but I just surround, like, I formed my community. I didn't yeah. post, like, man, I don't have nobody. No, I formed it, you know? Wow. So, yeah. Amen to that. I'm going to, we're going to take one more question um, after sure. this, and I'm going to even kind of just get on that real quick. What you said, though, is, you know, accountability through community is a very essential, you know, way to get delivered from pornography, yeah. um, lust, whatever you're battling with. Yeah. For me, I was introduced to the porn when I was 10 years old. So like my friend was like, hey, I want to show you this video. And I was like, okay, what is it? And from that moment on, like it was like a, a, a light switch just flipped on in me. And I had never known anything about sex. Um, and that moment I was like just sexually aroused. And from that moment on, you know, I was hooked. Now, yeah. if I could go back, one thing I wish I would have done even as a kid, you know, or a teenager or whatever, I wish that I would have used the different resources that are out there for my college years. Yeah. Um, for example, there is different types of counseling that you can get if you're struggling with pornography. Because sometimes when pornography, whatever the root issue is, there's reasons why people watch porn. You know, yeah. sometimes just because you're horny. Sometimes it's because you're lonely. Sometimes you're using the pleasure uh, to cover up a deep-rooted issue. And so this is why it's good at time. This is why it's good to get a counselor because a counselor will help you identify that root problem behind your addiction and give you some different steps to walk out of that addiction, which yeah. goes in line with Sex Addicts Anonymous, which is a community of people that are struggling with in certain areas and they're on a 12-step program and they're talking about their struggles. So the problem is that, you know, is you struggle secretly by yourself in your closed door and you tend to never let anyone know because you are you know you feel guilty you feel yeah. uh, ashamed you feel all these different things so you just hide and that's what the devil wants the devil wants you to sit there and keep struggling by yourself but right. you need to get a trusted person that you can that can come on board with you and pray for you um okay. and kind of help walk you through that along with staying busy because when you too much idle time i, I say it like this too much time on your hands will get you to use your hands. Um, you know, when you're home all day from eight to eight and you're just sitting there and you're just, you know, searching through, obviously if something, you know, sticks out, you're going to watch it and then lead into sin. So you got to stay busy. Uh, yeah. Let's get this last question in for us. Um, let's see. Let's see. Okay. Here we go. I think this is a good one. It's kind of cut off though. But. You said it's cut off. Well, you could read it to me. Read all of it. Let's I only see. see like after dating is the and it stops after all. Oh man, I don't know if it's even showing me actually. Uh, can you, you take it down? I don't, see other, see it. I don't even see the other part of the question. I think that yeah, because it was all typed in one box. Maybe we can answer the first half of it. Uh, what types of conversations should be held before marriage, and how do you know if the person you're dating? is the one God has called you to be with. I think that's what it's going to be. Okay. Um, man, you know what? I did a webisode 
um, called the first, uh, some, I forgot, I forgot. It was like first date questions. Check it out. Um, I don't want to slaughter your name. So um, <laughs> I'm going to say XV. Check out that webisode. It's on my timeline. Scroll down. It's like great first date questions, something like oh, that. Oh, I've seen that. Yeah, uh, great first date questions. Um, just watch that because I would just be regurgitating um, all the questions that I said would be some great first questions. And some of them were funny. I was like, first question should be, is there anybody that would get mad if they know that you were here with me right now? <laughs> like, I need to know that. That's a good question. Is there anybody that would get mad if, you know, they saw us? But yeah, check out that webisode. Um, I think it can kind of um, serve you well. Um, about knowing the person is the one, I think it kind of goes back to what we were talking about. That assignment thing, I don't necessarily believe that there is a one. I believe there's a will. And the reason I say that is if there was a one and you missed it, you screwed up the whole world. Oh, yeah. You know, if you were supposed to be with Isaac, but you end up being with Billy, everybody's thrown off. The whole world is, you just threw off the whole romantic balance of the world because you yeah. got the wrong one. Um, so I believe there's a will. I believe there's a person that is in harmony with the will of God for your life. Um, so, yeah, I don't know if you want to kind of touch on that one. Yeah, you know, um, to be honest, I've kind of wrestled with this topic for quite some time, you know, mm -hmm. in the past. Um, and I do totally, I believe that, how can I say it? Um, I believe that there may be a specific time where God says like, hey, you know what? This is the person that I have for you that you're going to marry. Like kind of like with Isaac and Rebecca. But I also don't think that that's the case for every single person out there. Um, right. I don't think that, you know, I think that's why sometimes we see that we tend to see a lot of people who kind of just sit there while I'm waiting for them to just come swoop me up. No, I think that you need to actually be kind of proactive. If you want to get married, I think you need to get out there. Yeah. You know, um, your husband or wife is not just going to find you under a rock unless God just supernaturally says, look, today this is going to happen. But that's not the case because you have people who've been waiting. I've been waiting on God and they're 50, 60 years old. And it's like, yeah. have you been waiting on God or is God saying, hey, you know, put that faith and match it with some works and get out there and find someone. Um, that's godly, someone, um, you know, that is suitable for you. And so mm -hmm. my thing is this, like, if you desire to get married, I know how, I know how it feels impatient. I had some single seasons where I was like, oh, I just, I didn't know who I wanted, what I wanted. I didn't, I didn't know those things. Right. And, um, but one thing that, you know, I'm starting that I kind of started to learn later on is that you have to make yourself while you're getting yourself ready, you when you're full, when you're fully ready to get out there and get dating and get married and all that, you need to make sure that you are presentable in, in a good way. For example, if you are looking to get married, you know what? Dress nice when you go somewhere, you know? Uh, put some deodorant on, spray some cologne, chew some gum, get groomed. If you really, really want to, if you really want to impress someone, um, and if you really want to, you know, find someone for you, there are some little things that you can do now. Go out and meet godly people. You don't yeah. have to stay at home on a Friday and Saturday and say, oh, I'm waiting on God to just, he's going to come knock on my door. No, get out, go to a, go yeah. to a church conference, um, do certain things. You know what I mean? And, and, you know, put yeah. your, you know, put yourself together and look amazing. Yeah. I, I love and pray. Yeah. I love what you're saying. I, I want, I want us to understand that you got to fall in love with you. It's going to be hard for somebody to love you when you don't love you. Fall in love with you. 
um, stop making, stop feeling like I'm not beautiful until I apply this or makeup, or I'm not this until I do this, right. or I'm not this until I get this career, or I get to this certain place. Um, fall in love with you. And for the individual that was asking the question, like, how do you heal from verbal and uh, verbal and physical abuse? Um, I kind of touched on that in the last two messages I did um, on the Try Me series. I was talking about uh, being a trauma breaker. And I think uh, the healing, there are layers to it. We'll be here for the rest of the night if we were to really kind of speak on um, step number one, step number two. But I, I think the first thing is knowing that feelings buried alive don't die. Mm -hmm. So um, whatever feelings that happen, whatever things that happen, recognizing what wounded me, because I do believe that um, parental wounds lead to emotional tombs. And so they're, they're, that will cause you in your adulthood to constantly try to resurrect what should have never died, right? And you'll be looking for some sense of healing um, when when really you need relational, well, you need spiritual rehab. And if you don't get the spiritual rehab before the relationship, the relationship will become rehab. And so you'll enter into relationships over and over where you're looking for them to be your pediatrician. You're looking for them, when I say pediatrician, you're looking for them to treat your child that was hurt, not you. Right. Um, you're looking for somebody to um, really free you from everything that happened. And that really comes with counseling. And now somebody was like, uh, Christian counseling, I don't believe in just Jesus and therapy. I believe in Jesus through therapy because some therapists will mess you up. Some therapists will give, say, okay, well, you know, masturbate tonight. Give yourself some pleasure. No, we need a therapist yeah. who's anointed, <laughs> who knows the Lord, that will also give you godly wisdom. So I think being intentional with healing starts with seeking that help, seeking that counsel to address it, because it will affect you. Um, everybody is not um, horny and want to have sex. There are some people that got introduced to sex in such an unhealthy way that sex is disgusting to you yeah it's, it, you, you like you felt violated so it's gross to you and all of those were um wrong introductions to it so start with that um therapy if you could jesus through therapy and then also check out those last few messages on the try me series on my youtube i address um trauma breaking i don't remember the one off the top of my head before that one um my confessions that's what it was these are my confessions these are my confessions and trauma breaker and i kind of touch on that i love it man um man that was uh whew, that was some really actually sorry last question in the comments for you right real quick jerry no, you uh, jerry when you were looking for a pastor wife what were you looking for in her oh that's a good man, one i Hit went that one, then we'll go to bed um <laughs> <laughs> uh, i went straight to the bible and then i went to what um i went to the bible then i went to my personality okay so there's when i was taking um when i was getting my master's um i was I was uh, looking over Timothy and the qualifications of a leader, you know, must not be, uh, must be sober minded, have a good name with outsiders, uh, must be respectable. And so this, those things that I had to be, I was looking for her to be. So for Tanisha, um, when I first saw her at a worship night and she caught my eye, I wanted to make sure that she was more than eye candy. Okay, so I began to do a little research and I asked a pastor about her, a church musician about her. And uh, what I was really looking for was fruit. So they were like, oh man, she's she's been on mission trips to Tanzania. You know, she preaches in the juvenile detention centers. Um, you know, she's always the first one at the church to help. She's the last one to clean up. So I was looking for that service thing. I'm like, you know, we're gonna be at church late. You know, we're gonna have to deal with a lot of people's um, struggles uh, and we're gonna have to make sure that we both understand that our marriage is going to be a fishbowl. 
something happened to me and Tisha, Tanisha publicly, the whole church knows about it, you know? Right. So how well are we with getting the help that we need, recognizing that this is not just a marriage, it's a role model marriage. Mm. Self-control, serving, um, patient, uh, the ability to work with people, all those things were kind of the qualifications that I think you need to be a shepherd, loving people, serving people, being understanding, not viewing yourself as a mini star, but rather a minister, being a servant of people because shepherds should smell like sheep. All of those type of things that I was looking for. And she had those qualities and bada bing, bada boom. Yeah. Exactly. Can they, uh, do they get along well with people? You know, if you're going to be a, a first lady, you know what yeah. I mean? And, <laughs> you can't be uh, starting drama and arguing all the time. <laughs> you know, you got to be personable and people have to be able to approach you and you have to be yeah. loving. So um, I love it, man. Um, for those who, um, you know, who tuned in tonight, thank you so much. Um, Pastor Jerry and his wife, they have amazing webisodes on their YouTube channel. I mean, they cover literally everything. I'd be wondering, like, how do you guys have time to cover all these topics? <laughs> I mean... <laughs> These aren't like one minute videos. These are like nine, 10 minute videos with just good stuff. I'm like, oh my goodness. I'll be watching them. Like this conversation fed me. Like, you know, he, Pastor Jerry knows a lot of stuff. Very anointed, his wife as well. So um, thank you so much for joining us tonight, Pastor Jerry. Um, before, before we close out, I also want you to know, hey, if you are struggling with sexual sin, purity, pornography, masturbation, whatever you're struggling with, um, hit the link in my bio and grab a copy of the number one best-selling book, Christian sex ed. It will help you out. Read the reviews. It's helped out so many people. Link in my bio. Um, yeah. well, Pastor Jerry, thank you so much for being with us tonight, man. Um, sure this man. was the first, you just started us off. This was the first night of purity after dark. So man, we thank you. We appreciate you for uh, pouring out all that wisdom and knowledge um, into tonight's live, man. For sure, man. We brothers, we'll do it again soon, man. We'll do it again Absolutely. soon. Absolutely. Yeah. Love right, you, my brother. Love you, man. Thank you. All right. Bye. Bye. All right, y'all. Love you. Thank you so much for joining us for Purity After Dark. Um, it was an amazing night. Uh, it was just so much great stuff. Go back and watch the first part if you missed it. Like I said, if you're struggling tonight, you can read the book and get some help. Christian Sex Ed. And if you have any ideas of some other people you want to see on here, let me know. All right. Purity After Dark. Night one is all done. God bless you. Love you.